Welcome to AM 650 WRPT and AM 1470 WSRO. My name is Howard Kaplan, along here with my lovely wife, Trisha Davison, and we are two talk show hosts who happen to be married to one another and uh, unfortunately don't agree on very much. Trisha's to the left, I'm to the right. We're heard here each and every Saturday at 12 noon right here on WRPT and WSRO. If you're married or divorced or separated or remarried, you're going to want to listen to the next 55 minutes because we've got a barn burner of a show for you today. We'll be talking with Minister Joseph Webb from Florida, who's written a new book, Till Death Do Us Part, and it's uh, been distributed all over the world and has been interpreted in Italian. And he, the bottom line with Joseph Webb is that if you've been remarried after a divorce, you are committing adultery. Ooh, Ooh, contra- Ooh. controversial subject indeed. He That's believes right. that marriage is forever and the divorce is wrong under all circumstances and that any remarriage should not be recognized by the church or by God. So it's a good thing that I didn't actually decide to separate from you, Trish, and actually then get a divorce. Because, you know, I was contemplating... Oh, mm. sorry. I, sorry, I forgot. You've I forgot. got such a good thing going, and you know it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> Face it, pal, you're stuck with me. That's right. And, and I guess I'm stuck with you. We'll be talking with uh, Minister Webb in a couple of minutes, uh, but his views are basically that... Marriage was established, and the marriage law is universally regulated by God, not by justices of the peace, not by courts, not by lawyers, certainly not by lawyers. Hey, excuse me, wait a minute. That's right. Not by lawyers. Well, we're we're both lawyers. But don't hold it against us. The marriage law is binding for life. The marriage law is activated by mutual vows, that we know. But to marry another after divorce constitutes adultery. And any persons who have married again, and I'm just reading right from his book, any persons who have married again after divorce while their first spouse still lives are adulterers. And this is the catch, Trish, that unrepentant adulterers shall be judged by God, which basically says they will burn in hell, essentially. So, but anyway, we want to uh, say good morning to the author of this very groundbreaking book, Till Death to Us Part, Minister Joseph A. Webb from Florida. Good morning, Minister Webb. Good morning, Howard. How are you? We're doing very well, and your book is indeed quite provocative, to say yes. the least. And yes, we've some got people are called, Howard, to comfort the afflicted, and I'm called to afflict the comfortable, evidently. <laughs> 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 very well put, and I'm sure you've used that before. Uh, Reverend Webb, what precipitated uh, the research and the writing of a book such as this? We've never seen anything like this before. Tricia, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a long story, except just I can tell you that I didn't need it because I had a very, very happy home. I had two children, went all through grade school, high school, and college, and never gave me 15 minutes of rebellion. My wife and I were very, very happy. After 29 years of marriage, uh, I lost my wife to cancer, oh. uh, my first wife, and I was a widower for eight and a half years, but remarried again five years ago. Oh, my. But uh, I've had a very happy marriage, and as a pastor, I was pastoring my last church for over 23 years. And every time I would read a verse on that had to do with marriage and divorce, it would just like it jumped out at me. And I would sit here studying for my message, and I'd say, Lord, I really don't need that. I'm very happily married. And yet it would just, just stay right there. And so I started writing down little thoughts that came to my head when I'd read it. And I'd stick it in on a shelf up above my desk. And this went on for almost two years. And finally I looked up there one day, and I had about an inch and a half of paper up there. And I pulled them down and said, what are you trying to show me? And being a, a male and trying to conquer, I said, I know what I'll do. I'll find out. I'll just go out and buy all the books on marriage and divorce and read them, and then I'll probably find out what the Lord wants to say. 
Now, in your book, you do a lot of quoting from the Bible. There are many, many quotes from the Bible which support your thesis that marriage is uh, not terminal. I hate to use that term, but it, <clears throat> but it's it's actually permanent, and that ca- it can only be broken by the spouse's death, and that at any time during the life of a spouse, if you even get legally divorced and have a divorce decree and then get married, you are committing adultery. Well, or, or presumably, I would imagine, an, an annulment, which is recognized by the Catholic Church under extreme situations. Yes, and Tricia, that's based upon the fact that the Roman Catholic Church believes that they were here before the Scripture, before the New Testament, and therefore whenever their doctrine violates the, uh, the Bible, their doctrine will supersede the, the Bible. And so therefore they feel they have the authority to annul. This is not now... Uh, let me just start off by saying, first of all, that we're not even going to be able to scratch the surface in one hour on this thing. My book covers so many subjects and covers every verse that has to do with marriage and divorce. And uh, uh, so consequently, we're, we're just going to be skimming through, and I'll give you as many answers as I can on it, but I am a, what, what we, I term a biblicist. Well, you are Other so people can give their, their, uh, their attitude, what they believe about something, but every time I answer, I'm going to say it doesn't make any difference what I think. This is what the Bible is. Well, that's very clear from your book, and you right. are so right. Your book is chock full of verses from the Bible and interpretation by you, and it's very, very fascinating. I mean, I was riveted at reading this book. Um, let's begin at the beginning, and we want to open up the phone lines to those of you who want to talk to Pastor Webb. You can either, hey, if you want to agree with him, you want to disagree with him, that's fine. Uh, Pastor Webb can take it both ways. Uh, the phone number that you can reach all of us at is 1-888-528-7438. That's 1-888-528-7438. I'm Howard Kaplan along with, appropriately enough, my lovely wife, um, and permanently so, <laughs> Trisha Davidson. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. <laughs> you bet, actually, this morning, but I got to tell you, uh, Pastor Webb, before we left for the station today, and we were talking, we were actually talking about your book, my wife said to me, Trisha said to me, does this mean I'm stuck with you? <laughs> and I said, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> you, yes, and he you knows heard. he has it pretty darn good. <laughs> <laughs> lucky stiff. Uh, he is a lucky stiff. <laughs> you, you heard of, you but heard but we of digress the, here. You know who the optimist is. He's the guy that goes to the marriage license bureau every year to see if his license is expired. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get right, right into the book. And the book, again, is Till Death Do Us Part. And it's, uh, of course, written by Minister Joseph Webb, who is on the phone uh, with us. And uh, let's begin, obviously, at the beginning. What is the basis for your belief, or your, it's more than a belief, for your assertion? Conviction. Exactly, convictions, that marriage is not something that, it's almost extra legal. It's way beyond, beyond, excuse me, the legal um, contract, and actually is something that is totally divine and can only be controlled by the divine power, i.e. God. Tell us, what is your, the bottom line base foundation for that? Again, being a biblicist, my authority for that, and it's the only religious book that I know of that, that brings out the, um, the inception of marriage, and that is the Word of God, mm-hmm. the Bible. Mm-hmm. And in Genesis, the second chapter, verses 23 and 24, says that, and Adam said, that, uh, first of all, the Lord brought Eve to him, having made Eve up from the, one of his ribs, brought her to him, and Adam made the statement, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And then immediately in verse 24, God spoke up and said, Therefore. And I always tell people, whenever the Bible says therefore, look back and see what it was there for. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now, first of all, Howard, let me tell you that this was a very unusual statement. 
Adam and Eve couldn't have made it because they didn't know what a mother and father was. God spoke that because uh, Adam and Eve were the first uh, people on earth. So it wasn't Adam and Eve that said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, but it was God who said it. And Jesus reinforced it in Mark, the 10th chapter. He said, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, or be glued, is the Greek, be glued to his wife, and the two of them shall be one flesh, so that they are never again twain. No more is never again twain, but one flesh. And what God has joined or glued again, glued together, no man can put asunder. Now, was he talking about our marriage between Trisha and me? Because many times I feel glued to Trish. But well, I guess that's a whole other matter. But that's only when he opens the super glue when he tries to fix something and he has a little accident and I have to pry his fingers apart. But anyways, we digress. But, but, right, off the, but right off the bat, um, you do, uh, right in the beginning of the book, talk about the term cleave. Yes. And the significance of that. And that is to be, uh, it comes from the Greek, uh, cemented, glued, or joined fast to. Um, and in your words, thus implying a, quote, relationship of permanency. Yes. Yeah. And you see, it's for all the offspring of Adam and Eve. If you know of anybody that's not an offspring of Adam and Eve, that's where the law of the marriage was established. It's an ordinance. An ordinance in a city is something that we have to abide by. It's a divine ordinance that is without exception. And the only, and let me just put this in here before somebody starts really yelling on the phone, uh, in First Corinthians, the seventh chapter, and uh, verses uh, le- 10 and 11, it says that a woman is not to leave her husband, but, and if she does, there's a crack in the door, mm-hmm. she's to remain single or be reconciled to her husband. And this is why I've said in my advertising that many churches today are promoting adultery. The Bible says that when a couple separate because of incompatibility, as we call it today, that they are still to recognize that they, are, they have some things to resolve. They are one flesh, but they need to learn how to become one heart, one mind, and one spirit. Mm-hmm. And when they separate, they're supposed to have that as a time of reconciling and really missing each other and trying to put their lives together and make some changes and come back together again. What would it, you say, but, Reverend, to a woman who has suffered years of, say, physical, emotional abuse, at the hand of her husband and it really is detrimental to her mental and physical well-being and you know it's inevitable that they must be separated and indeed divorced i understand it's an ideal to hope for reconciliation and that the marriage is an ideal that all should pursue and in fact i think in the society people still do pursue it uh regrettably with a lot of lack of success but what, what would you tell her as she's about to leave her marriage? Tricia, that's a good question, and I've had to do it many, many times. There are situations where I urgently advise women to get out of a situation, move out, but recognize that you have a covenant with this man. Now, I didn't make that covenant with him. You did. And, but recognize you still are in a covenant with him, but you cannot get along. And I encourage you to move out, just like the First Corinthians says, but you see, we're living in a society today that says, oh, God doesn't expect me to be single. I don't know. The Bible, Jesus and Paul the Apostle had a lot to say about the, the virtue of being single. So you're saying that a woman who has suffered domestic abuse or violence, uh, whom uh, separates or moves away from her husband, must, under God's word and God's law, remain single? Well, let me read it to you so you'll get it very clearly. And under the married, I command, yet not I, but the Lord, can't get any higher authority than that, let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or 
be reconciled to her husband. Does it cut both ways? Does the oh, absolutely. Have... Absolutely, yes. Uh, it goes on to say, and let not the husband put away his wife. Uh, so it, uh, again, but there, I know of a woman who, when she came home from work, her drunken husband would sit in a chair, and when she'd walk through the door, one, several times he'd shoot a, a gun, and it'd go right off next to her head and hit the wall behind her. Mm. And uh, when she would fix dinner for him, he'd pick up the plate and grab her by the hair and smash the plate in her face. And she says, what can I do? I said, move out. Recognize, you see, the, the covenant that they made was for better, for worse, for richer, for poor. I said, is he better than you thought he was? Oh, no, is he worse? That's part of the covenant. Hmm. That's the covenant that you made, that you become when you commit yourselves to each other. And that's, you know, one of the greatest heartaches to me is that parents do not understand this, and they do not warn their children they do not train their children the way they should go. You see, in the, in the days of the Jewish, back in Jesus' day, the fathers usually were involved in the, in the mating of a couple. The two dads would get together and say, you know, I'd like to have my daughter marry your son, or I'd like to have my son marry your daughter, and let's work on that. And they would train their children. that You say, oh, well, that can't be love. Love is a decision. It's not an emotion. And most of our marriages today are built upon emotions, and once that emotion dies, so does that so-called puppy love. Love is a decision. You and I decide to love someone, whether they're lovable. I'm so glad that God decided to love me. But I am this, not lovable at all. But doesn't this very strict interpretation, in a way, encourage people to, say, cohabitate and live together without marriage, which is something that I imagine you disapprove of? Well, Tricia, uh, you see, again, I, they don't get much comfort from that because the Bible says very clearly in Hebrews that adulterers and fornicators, God will judge. The same judgment is going to come to either one of them. So, so fornicators, then, folks who are having sex outside of the bond of marriage. And single people, right. Right. Where single people are shacking up to, they think that's a, a new thing, but it's been happening for you. I mean, the, in, in Jesus' day, there was a woman who had been married five times according to the Old Testament law of Moses, and Jesus said to her, you've been married five, you've had five husbands, but the one you're with now is not your husband. She was shacking up with him. So basically then, the only true way to redemption, or the only true way to, uh, shall we say, salvation, is to get married and to live with your spouse until death. Just recognize that you are married until death, mm -hmm. whether you stay with them or not. And what I started to say a while ago, the tragedy is in the most of our evangelical and fundamental churches today, they have what they call singles ministries. And they have babysitting. My first question is, if it's a singles ministry, why do you have to have babysitting? But what they've got are people who are divorced in their church, and they say, look, forget that person that you were married to. Go down to our singles group. God has someone else for you. And they literally promote the adultery. We have so much to talk to you about. We're on the line with Joseph Webb, minister from Florida, till death do us part, talking about how marriage is forever, and divorce and remarriage constitutes Adultery. Our phone number is 1-888-528-7438, 888-528-7438. She's Trish. I'm Howard. Back after this. Welcome back to the program. You're listening to No Holds Barred on WRPT and WSRO. I'm Trish and he's Howard. We're talking with Joseph A. Webb, Reverend Joseph A. Webb, author of Till Death Do Us Part question mark, which is very interesting, and Reverend Webb believes that the, bubbit, that the Bible dictates that marriage is forever, and that divorce and separation on any grounds is always wrong and prohibited, and he says he's got the quote from the Bible to prove it. Reverend Webb, 
In today's society, divorce is rampant. Divorce approaches almost 50% of all marriages. Uh, single parenting is higher than ever before. Uh, there's a huge problem with teenage promiscuity, a lot of people would argue. How can you and your beliefs and your book work to advocate your message or improve on that, or, or why is society shunning your beliefs and your convictions? Well, uh, Tricia, one of the first thing I have to tell you is that the minute the family break, starts breaking down in any society, the total, uh, 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 total of society itself begins to break down. Uh, and the statistics today is, are, you're right, uh, in, across the country, 50% of the marriages approximately are breaking up in divorce. The, in the, but the second marriage, about 75% of the second marriages and 85% of the third marriages are failing, which tells me that the second and third time around is not the answer. Uh, the ramifications of this divorce is, like you said, first of all, um, Poverty and bankruptcy follows within two to three years. Most of the uh, couples that uh, get divorced, your average couple, and then the um, rate of crime and uh, uh, trouble in schools and drugs goes skyrocketing in the homes of those whose homes have broken up and the, the parents are separated. Uh, it's, it's just a tragic thing that breaks down the whole um, fabric of society. Uh, the, the principle that I'm, and, and first of all, I am not some person looking through rose-colored glasses. Uh, my goal is not, boy, I'm going to get out and I'm going to teach this message and this whole nation's going to turn around. I'm not that uh, much of a dreamer. I'm a realist. I, I'm not saying what the Word of God says because I expect the whole world's going to turn around. I'm saying what the Word of God says because that's what I'm supposed to do. I put a, a statement in my book that the uh, work of the church is not to draw a follow, gain a following, but to set a standard. And if in setting that standard we gain a following, that's fine. But if, if we gain a following without setting that standard, it's to our detriment. Jesus didn't call us to, to you know, win the whole world. He called us to set a standard and, and say, whoever wants to come, come. And he has provided life for anyone who will receive life. Uh, the thing that we have to realize is God is a God of covenants and marriage is a covenant it's a lifetime covenant and i and this is the the thing i need to get across to people so they understand you and i can violate a covenant a life covenant but we cannot break it i want to say that again any person can violate a covenant a man who says he would is committed to his wife for better for worse for richer for poor in sickness and in health so long as they both shall live he can go out and live like a tomcat he can violate it over and over and over he can say i'm getting away with it i keep telling him God doesn't settle his books at the end of a year. He settles his books at the end of the life. And we can violate it and violate it and violate it, and whatever we sow, sooner or later we'll reap heartache and all the rest of it. In fact, God says in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, if you make a vow to me and then say it was a mistake, an error, I personally will become angry and I will destroy the work of your hands. And I cannot tell you how many families today, financially, uh, socially, uh, as far as their children are concerned, the work, everything that they've done is being destroyed. Surely, though, Reverend, you must have some pragmatic ideas that we as a society and a society that recognizes the Constitution and separation of church and state can do to try to remedy some of these social ills that are contributing to so many of the social problems in the United States today. What can, what can we do to, to fix the breakdown in the American family? Tricia, uh, uh, again, uh, 
I, I'm not, uh, and I'm not an optimist because we were, and I use that in past tense, we were a Christian nation. Today we are no longer a Christian nation. I don't know whether you've ever heard this before, but the first Supreme Court Justice of the United States had a man brought before him who had cursed, used Jesus Christ as a curse word, and, and cursed the Bible. And the first Supreme Court Justice, Justice of the United States made this statement, this court will assume any attack against Jesus Christ or the Word of God as a direct attack against this government, for it is, it is upon the Word of God and faith in Jesus Christ that this nation has been established. That's what we were. Now where we are today, I realize that the nation is virtually impossible to turn to. Uh, there's in history of the world, I don't know of any nation that's ever gone this far and turned around. But the Bible says we're to say the truth whether they turn around or not. Okay, I got to interrupt you, Minister Webb. We're talking with Minister Joseph Webb from Florida. Our phone number is 1-888-528-7438. More on why this country is not a Christian nation anymore right after the news. Stay with us. The show is No Holds Barred. John Fritz is at the control. I'm at the mic. Howard Kaplan and Trisha Davidson. She is my lovely wife, and luckily so, because we have an expert on marriage and what the Bible says on marriage. We have Minister Joseph Webb from Florida. And at the break, we were talking about how America has become a non-Christian nation as opposed to being a Christian nation. And whenever I hear that, Reverend Webb, I have to tell you a red light goes off in my brain and I, I, I get upset uh, because so do I well well no I, I'm upset about the term Christian nation I have a problem with the term Christian nation I'd like to challenge you on that what is your definition of a Christian nation well when <clears throat> when the Magna Carta was written um, Howard uh, it was the United States these United States were declared uh, committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ just like there are some nations today that are Muslim nations. And uh, there were nations then, still are nations, that are communist nations. Uh, you know, people say, well, I can understand that, but how could we have a Christian nation? We had a Christian nation. The, uh, did you know, well, you should know, I mean, you're, in, you're both attorneys. At one time, a hundred and some years ago, the only textbook that attorneys used to go through school was the Bible. But what about something called, but, but Minister Webb, what about something called the First Amendment? What about the fact that we have people of many religions, including Jews, including Muslims, including, uh, I know, a few uh, Hindi, uh, Hindu people? Uh, what, what would you tell them? Well, I'm not going to tell them anything. I'm simply saying that historically we as a nation were a Christian nation. If I were to go over, to, if you and I were to go over to Saudi Arabia right now, and we were to say we are Christians and we're going to live here, uh, we would immediately be in deep yogurt because they say if you are going to live here you'll keep your mouth shut you will not say you will not speak you will not do this you'll not do that and we say oh that's right this is a Muslim nation but uh, when we when they did that in the past they used to say to the Christians well now look you at least got to let us say something you've got to give us some room you've got to give us some some air to speak here you know and then as they did and began to compromise it more and more we became secularized to where people are saying uh, you see there's you can't have the uh, uh, we have to have the separation of church and state. That was introduced into our nation by social religion, re, revisionist judges uh, who did not get that statement from our Constitution. They got that from the Communist Manifesto. That uh, Reverend, Webb, that, Reverend Webb, I have to disagree with you on that. That is part and parcel of the 
fir- it's the First Amendment. It's our Constitution. It's the Bill of Rights. It's what this country was founded on. But it does not say separation from God. No. I'm not saying that it does. No. I'm, I'm saying that, that the government shall sponsor or back no religion. And what you're saying is, is that this country was a Christian nation. And I, would, I, I understand what you're saying. I understand the angle. But uh, reinterpre- See, that's been reinterpreted because you and I know that years ago, the Duffy, McDuffie's reader, all it was was Scripture. Now, why didn't they say that back then in the early years? That was introduced later on when judges began to revise things and our, our, um, uh, in the importation of other people from other nations, that policy was broadened and broadened and broadened, and uh, that's when these things started changing in our nation, Howard. Our phone number is one 888 888-528-7438. We're talking with Minister Joseph Webb, the author of Till Death Do Us Part. Now, in saying the importation of people from other nations, so are you advocating that the way for us to redeem ourselves morally and indeed religiously is to go back to a homogeneous type of uh, society, white, Anglo-Saxon, Christian, and, and that's a preferred way to go, go? No, not at all, Tricia. I mean, again, I see I'm, I'm a realist. That's not going to happen. But you well, see, so you're saying you're a realist, that's not going to happen, and by implication, it's basically what you would want ha- to happen. No, I, what I'm saying is, uh, even on w- what I would like to see happen, if we're going to be talking about fairness, uh, in the other nations that are right now over in Africa, hundreds of thousands of Christian believers are being slaughtered by Muslim people. Mm-hmm. They're being killed, and we're not hearing of it in the news. There's not any fairness there. There's not any equality over there whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you let someone in this country who's not a Christian get killed, and uh, there's a total uproar over here. But for Christians, now, uh, for example, someone said, uh, wrote a, a note saying, uh, why did God allow all these people to get shot in Columbine? I like what one person answered. And that there was a note that said, uh, it couldn't have been me. I have been, I've not been allowed into your school. Signed, God. So uh, when we have these things happening, people want to blame God when bad things happen and uh, want to praise men when good things happen. So, so what you're saying then is that we don't hear enough about that there's somehow an anti-Christian slant in the news media, and that's why we don't hear about the slaughter of Christians in, for instance, India, which you're right, it's, taking, uh, on, uh, it's occurring at a rampant pace. You're absolutely right that's about right. that. That's right, and the last statistic I read, Howard, 97 or 98 percent, I think it was the last figure, uh, of those who are in the media are uh, totally liberal in their political position and uh, constantly refer to the extreme right when they start talking about people who want to have religious convictions in our nation. When you're talking about human rights, though, I mean, uh, America, granted, has a long way to go, particularly in the area of race relations and, and so forth, but we're still better off in terms of respecting each other and respecting life here than in, in many parts of the world, and that is in large part because we have such a democratic history and foundation that springs from the Constitution of 1776 that may post-date the Magna Carta, but it certainly confirmed the separation of, of church and state and that those democratic ideals ultimately precipitate the human rights that we all enjoy and take for granted and, and, and thrust upon the rest of the world. So we're, we're still better off here with that diversity that you seem to shun? Well, better off in what way? Uh, 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 Morally? Better off uh, uh, politically? Better off economically? 
Well, what better do we mean? The question is, I think we need to define what is better off. That's right. Well, in That's terms of exactly human right, right. In, in terms of human rights and basic morality, and not slaughtering people because of what religion they are. Yeah, but wait a minute. We're speaking in in judgmental tones here. You're saying better in terms of morality. Uh, Minister Webb is saying better off in what way? What is the question here? I mean, uh, when you say, are, are we not better off for having more diversity, we need to define what in, you in, mean by better in, off in, and what in, Minister Webb in, means in term, by better in off. In terms of human rights, respecting people of other religions and other backgrounds. Well, by respect, you see, the, the, the buzzword today, Tricia, is tolerance. Now, I, I'm right up front on that. I tell people that, re, uh, that Christianity, uh, of course, most religions are very intolerant. Christianity is one of the most intolerant in the world not as far as somebody else wanting to believe what they believe i tell people you believe whatever you want to believe if it takes you into death and out into the eternity and you're happy go with it but the bible says there's only one way to eternal life jesus himself said i am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father but by me now some people say boy that's being intolerant now, well cut it any way you like to but that's what the bible says and heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away, is what we believe. And the scripture says that, that, the, that the word itself is like silver seven times refined. God speaks no uncertain word. Now, I don't just throw my faith into the word in a blind way, but I, I have studied the Bible now for almost 50 years. And I found that in the Old Testament there are 333 uh, predictions of what was going to happen in the future, with 456 specific details, for example, of the, se of the first coming of Jesus Christ, 333 of them. Well, a scientist recently at one of the universities, Christian universities, uh, got a, some huge computers and put them together to find out what the probabilities would be if we just had eight prophecies be fulfilled over the same span of time with the same basic cir circumstances, with all the parameters being basically alike. How, how hard would that be just for eight of them, not 333? He came back. 1 in 10 to the, I believe it was the 17th power, and he said the only way we can explain that is that you'd have to immerse Texas two feet deep in silver dollars, the whole state of Texas, mark one silver dollar, turn a blind man loose and let him walk all over the state of Texas and finally reach down, pick one up, and be able to pick up that one marked silver dollar. That's the chance of eight predictions coming true over the same period of time. And the scriptures has 333 of them with 456 specific details, and if one of them had not been fulfilled, then Jesus Christ was not who he said he was. Has it ever occurred to you or anybody who observes the Bible really literally that perhaps every word maybe is not true? And I know I'm asking that question to somebody that probably, you know, I mean, obviously I know what the answer is going to be. But, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is doesn't a lot of what you're saying that, that marriage is permanent, that any remarriage is akin to adultery, that even looking at another woman for a man is adultery in his heart, but doesn't that defy the, the cold, objective biology that we are sexual beings and that uh, we're, we're almost sexual animals in a way and that we are going to operate on those laws of biology and I know it sounds crude to say that, but doesn't that, in a way, knowing what we know now, overrule a lot of what's in the Bible? No, not at all. In fact, those, very, those parameters are put upon us for the very reason that we are the kind of animals that we are. For example, God does not talk about birth control. God talks about self-control. Mm -hmm. And you and I, uh, when it comes to eating, now what if you and I sat down every meal and ate everything we wanted to eat? Where would we be? Mm -hmm. 
Looking like Howard. That's right. <laughs> Actually, he's very tall and thin, but he you wouldn't believe what he eats. But I'm getting uh, heavy. That, that's what happens uh, to all of us, um, Howard. I'm um, having a d- real difficulty. Right now, I weigh the same as I did six months after my first marriage, but I've had a hard time keeping it there. I keep wanting to go back up again, but I could because I, I'd be glad to go back and get a second or third dish of ice cream sometime. <laughs> but we have to restrict ourselves in those areas. And God says if you, there are ways that seem right unto men, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So then the purpose of the Bible, the purpose of these passages that you speak of, are to place limits on what are, and let's not deny it, the physiology of us all, really. Yes. And that if we somehow give in to these, well, absolutely. Physiological Every man on urges earth is, that we are going to end up punished, according to the Bible. Every man on earth is tempted. Mm-hmm. We all have the same temptations. I put my pants on the same way you do every morning, Howard. I, I have the same opportunities come in. You probably my way don't, you actually. Do. You haven't seen me put on my pants. Well, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> One leg at a time, unless you jump in the air real high. <laughs> but uh, uh, we do it the same way. But God says, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You know, I don't even want to ask the next question, which was about alternative lifestyles. Let's just skip that whole... <laughs> let's just skip that no, whole no, thing. No, 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 actually, let's do that. I, I was going to suggest, is, is it fa- fair to assume that you shun homosexuality since that does not lead to a marriage as the Bible describes it and as society conventionally knows it? Well, the scriptures are very clear on that. There is what, what are called forbidden marriages in the scripture. You could not marry a, a relative. Uh, like a son could not marry a, a mother, and a daughter could not marry her father. And uh, good advice, good advice. Yeah, and uh, and men could not it's marry also men. Illegal, and women but... could not marry women. These are what's called forbidden marriages in the scripture. Now, people call that homophobic. I say no, it's theophobic. I fear God, and God says that it's forbidden, and that God will judge it. I didn't say it. Paul the apostle said it very clearly that uh, uh, those that that live that kind of a lifestyle will not inherit God's kingdom. Now, that, that flies in the face of everything that's out there today politically. But again, I'm not here to please man. I'm here to please God. What is the reaction that you've gotten from groups that you've spoken to and uh, folks that you have counseled about this? How many people whom you counsel actually accept this without challenge and pursue it? Well, if they accepted it without challenge, I would, I would be concerned because... Uh, I've always told people I either make them mad or glad, but at least I move them. Uh, when it first hits them, it is, it is a hard thing. Howard, I, for eight years, studied hard, tried to come up with a different solution, tried to find a different answer that was consistent with all of God's Word. Because, you know, I am not a fighter. I'm a lover. I do not like confrontation. I love to love people, and I love to help people and encourage people. But I, I made one commitment to, to, see, I didn't come from a church background. I came out of a background where six months after I became a Christian, I went to the county jail and witnessed to five of my buddies going to reform school and one going to prison. I, I was meaner than a junkyard dog as a teenager. Hmm. But, but the Lord changed my life. So you were actually in jail for a time? No, no. My, uh, I became a Christian just before they all got, got uh, arrested. Mm-hmm. And so a few months after I became a Christian, I was able to go to the county jail and tell them the only difference between you and me right now is my faith in the Lord. He can make a difference in your life. We're talking with Minister Joseph Webb, who's written the groundbreaking book, Till Death Do Us Part. And how can people get this book? Because it is chock full of passages from the Bible and advice for living your life in terms of marriage and also outside of marriage. And how can people get this book? 
First of all, they can call any Christian bookstore or any bookstore and ask them to order the book through Spring Arbor. That's the distributor, and the bookstore knows who's it, who it is. They can order it through Spring Arbor mm-hmm. for twelve ninety-five, mm-hmm. Or if they write to me, Howard and mm-hmm. Tricia, and let me know that they listen to me on this program today, I will send them the book plus a 92-minute tape on the marriage covenant and divorce, uh, an audio tape uh, that normally sells for $5. I'll send them the book and the tape for $10 postage paid. Ooh, good deal. And where, where can they write? Write to Web Ministries. That's Web Ministries, Inc. Post Office Box 520729 Longwood, that's one word, Longwood, Florida, 32752 dash zero seven two nine great that's web ministries incorporated p.o box five two zero seven two nine longwood florida three two seven five two and of course we have the zip plus four dash zero seven two nine what advice can you give couples reverend for a happy marriage if these people are bound for all eternity and they have a covenant what are some of the ways in in your practice that you've observed and, and in your ministry uh, that people can uh, keep it together? Well, first of all, they have to make a quality decision to love one another. And now by a quality decision, I put in my book, a quality decision is a decision that helps you not to have to make other decisions. When I married my wife, I didn't have to decide whether I was going to carry my date book around anymore. Now, I that's interesting to... because I still can't... Oh, sorry. Yeah, 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 <laughs> Watch yeah. it there, fellas. You're going to get in trouble. But <laughs> you make a little quality thin now, honey you don't have to make any decisions anymore once they do that i tell them you should become convinced in your heart and make the decision that you will love them regardless of their conduct even if you can't live with them now one person said i can't love her as my wife anymore i said okay can you love her as your neighbor no i don't think i said okay then you got one more step jesus said if you can't love them as your wife love her as your wife or as your neighbor then love your enemies you don't have any choice god says you're to love them you see, that's the principal message in the New Testament, that God will forgive us, but he will forgive us as we forgive others. If we do not forgive others, he said, I'll not forgive you. You say they don't deserve to be forgiven. I say, you don't either. I don't either. It's the mercy and grace of God that I am even forgiven, that I can have a knowledge of, of the Lord myself. We, so have- we have to love each other and say, I'm going to love you regardless of your conduct, and then we should... Forget the idea, what am I going to get out of this marriage? More so, we should say, what can I give to this marriage? And there's one of the problems, Tricia. We have our, the redneck mentality today. You know, the wife is to keep her mouth shut. And, and you know what's happened in the women's group as a reaction from the women's group today. The Bible says we're to love our wives as ourselves. The desire of my heart every day is, what can I do? to show my wife how precious wow, she is Wow, if, H- if Howard loved me as he loves himself, <laughs> I'm one lucky woman. we got to take a break. <laughs> we'll be back. My wife we'll told me, Tricia, Tricia, one time Maybe. my wife told me, if I could buy you for what you're worth and sell you for what you think you're worth, I could make a million. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after this. Welcome back. This is Felix. He's Oscar. Wait a second. Actually, that's true. I am such a slob, and you are so neat. But uh, you look a lot better than Felix, Unger. I probably do, and you look a little better than 
Oscar. All right, all right, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, just ying continue. to my yang. Ying to my yang. All right, just uh, just let's move on. Okay, we're talking with Reverend Webb, author of Till Death Do Us Part. Question mark. Why the question mark uh, well, after the title of your book, Reverend? That's what people are saying when they get, or thinking when they get married. Is this going to last until death? And so it's put in there with that idea. Interesting. How about the innocent partner to a divorce? There's a marriage. One day the spouse comes home and says, I've had enough, I want out, I'm leaving, I'm divorcing, goodbye, and it totally blindsides the other spouse. Him or her is, is innocent. That's uh, called abandonment. Uh, abandonment, sure. Uh, that's right. And, and that's one of the grounds for divorce today. Uh, let me just answer by saying real quickly, Teresa, that for the first 1,500 years of the early church, there were four positions concerning divorce and remarriage, and all four of them said that the bottom line was marriage is for life, you can divorce if you need to, but you cannot remarry. To remarry constitutes adultery because you're one flesh until death. Now, in the 1500s, a defrocked Roman Catholic priest who befriended King Henry VIII of England, who wanted to marry his, divorce his wife of 28 years, and was a, uh, a person who lived in the same days of Martin Luther and John Calvin, uh, wrote what was called the Erasmian view, today called the Protestant, the, the Protestant view, or the Matthew Pauline exception theory, which says uh, adultery or abandonment are grounds for divorce. He wrote that. He is today called the Prince of Humanists in our university libraries. He was a sodomite and a child molester, and was uh, told, said by Martin Luther, Martin Luther said of him, have nothing to do with this man. He's an enemy of God and his word. So the teaching that today that says abandonment or adultery is grounds for divorce was brought in by a man who was... So the bottom line is what you're saying is there's no grounds for that. That's right. Okay. Now, uh, there's one last thing. I wish we could go on and on and on. We only have two minutes left, um, but, and, and there's so much more I want to ask you. We've got to have you back uh, at a later time. Please your, do. Your conviction, and I can't leave this show without asking you this, you mention in the book that sexual relations is not required to consummate a marriage, that the minute you take the vows, you are married under God, and that even, uh, for instance, a couple of uh, disabled folks or folks who don't necessarily have sex, Absolutely. Can be married. Now, that flies in the face of um, everything we know. No, it That's doesn't. Mary and Joseph uh, were married. Yes, the we Bible do. That. Well, wait a minute. Why, well, wait a minute. Trisha, hold on. Trisha, why do we have the term consummation uh, to consummate a marriage? That's, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. You sure in the law? Oh, well, in well, the well, law, well, well, let, let's hear what, what let's hear what Reverend Reb says. I'll take care of you off the air. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. All right. I'm a, looking forward then to that's the. A, <laughs> that's a physical consummation, which is only the right and privilege of marriage, but it is not the marriage itself. The marriage comes when two people commit themselves to each other. Then the Bible says in Malachi the second chapter and verse fourteen. Uh, she is, yet she is the com thy companion and the wife of thy covenant made by your marriage vows. Let me translate so Howard can understand, because this might be a little too high-minded for him. It's a fringe benefit, dear. Yes. Well, I don't need to be told that. It's a privilege. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's a privilege, not a right. That's right but, no, but that does fly in the face, though, of what is conventional wisdom. And in the law, in the d law of divorce in Massachusetts, that yes. if, if, no, wait a minute. It's uh, Trisha, you're looking at me like I have two heads. That uh, I don't know what you're that you, that you must you're reading. <laughs> no, you are totally wrong about that. That you have to consummate. Well, your yes, you certainly do not to have a valid marriage. <laughs> what would you do when you have two quadriplegics? 
would get married. Yeah. Well, that's an exception. And they live together for there, many There's years. an exception to every doctrine. He must have missed that day in law school or something. Anyway, we have to leave, and, and uh, we, we want to invite you back again. Uh, Minister Joseph Webb from Florida, the author of the groundbreaking book, Till Death Do Us Part. And again, to uh, order a copy of this book, please write to Web Ministries Incorporated, P.O. Box 520-729, Longwood, Florida, 327 Five, two. Thanks very much, Reverend Thank you Webb. for this opportunity. Okay. I'm sorry no one called in today. I would have loved to have talked with people today. Okay, well, they're, they're just simmering, and they, they, <laughs> they will the let us know. I, the next time I'm on, they'll really get me. That's there right. There you go. AM 650 so WRBD and AM 1470 SRO. She's Trish. I'm Howard, and we have to go. Don't forget to catch us on a TV show called Night at the Round Table. We'll see you next Saturday, everyone, at noon. Take care. Bye-bye.